The ESPN San Antonio Audio Vault is powered by AA Best Bail Bonds. 210-225-2121. Or online at mybestbailbonds.com. Michael Jimenez. Halftime. Yes, sir! It's halftime on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250, 94.5 FM. We're on the go at com, and we're going to be on the move beginning February 1st, moving down the dial to 103.3 FM. Hope to see you there. My name's Michael Jimenez, your host from noon to two. Happy Thursday, everybody. Here at halftime, we talk sports, pop culture, and nostalgia. Carl Schoening is my producer today. What's going on, Carl? What's going on, Mike? How you doing? Dude, I'm doing very well. Lots of breaking news, man. Lots of things to get into. But we are live right now on Facebook and YouTube. Search San Antonio Sports Star. Like, subscribe, leave some comments. Kilbasa Bacon phone lines are open at 656-ESPN. Again, 656-ESPN. The best caller of the day. Gets tickets to see the legend Bob Dylan in concert at the Majestic in March. Again, tickets to Bob Dylan. You have to be the best caller calling in at 656-ESPN. So what can you call in about? Or what can you reach out to us on Twitter about? I'm at Mike ESPNSA. Carl is at Carl ESPN. Carl with a K. Come talk to us about the Spurs. About the Cowboys. Maybe about the upcoming NFL playoffs. We have the AFC and NFC Championship game this weekend. But man, breaking news coming in today. On the player front, Big Ben, Ben Roethlisberger, has retired. We'll get into that at 12.30. Jeff Garcia from Lockdown Spurs will join us at 1 o'clock to talk about the new trade rumors involving the Spurs. They kind of came out of nowhere over the past few hours. So we'll get into that at 1 o'clock. But again, big news coming out of Dallas involving the Dallas Cowboys. And it's a little bit surprising. It's very surprising. Tom Palacero of the NFL Network is reporting, and he just reported this an hour ago, that Dallas Cowboys coordinator Dan Quinn is staying. He's not going anywhere. This is the same Dan Quinn who was apparently wanted by multiple teams and took multiple interviews for head coaching positions out there and was called the favorite for many of them. But he has decided, according to Tom Palacero of the NFL Network, that he's going to say he's going to stay in Dallas. So what does this mean? Well, is this good news, Cowboy fans? Do you think this is a good thing for Dan Quinn to stay? Is it a good thing for Mike McCarthy? I mean, for me, if I'm looking at it, reading the tea leaves here, I'm thinking to myself that this is probably a pretty decent day for Mike McCarthy because I think that this guarantees that he's going to stay as head coach for at least one more season. Now, I know a lot of Cowboy fans out there want the Cowboys to go after Sean Payton, who just stepped down from this New Orleans Saints gig, but it's not going to happen this year, apparently. So, Cowboy fans, reach out to us on the Kilbasa Bacon phone lines at 656-ESPN or drop us a line over on Facebook and YouTube. What do you think? Is this a good day for Cowboy fans, knowing that Dan Quinn's going to stick around? Now, Dan Quinn obviously led the team, led the, the defense in a pretty decent direction. It was a kind of an interesting team defensively they got a lot of takeaways i mean trayvon diggs led the nfl in interceptions but they also gave up a lot of yards so it wasn't a top defense it was a very opportunistic defense but he's coming back and if i'm a cowboy fan honestly i'm thinking to myself that that's a good thing that continuity is a good thing 
But again, I think the eyes on the prize right there is going after Sean Payton eventually because I believe that he's going to take Dak to a better position to higher highs than Mike McCarthy and Kellen Moore can. But right now, again, Dan Quinn is apparently staying with the Dallas Cowboys. And why is he staying? Well, it could be because maybe he had his eyes on the Denver Broncos. Maybe that was the team that he wanted to go to all along. But the Broncos announced this morning that they're going in a different direction, and they hired Green Bay's offensive coordinator. Man, so what does that mean? The dominoes start to fall. This morning, we had nine openings, nine head coaching openings, and now we're down to seven because the Bears also hired a new head coach. Now there are seven openings. Now that the offensive coordinator of, of Green Bay is making his way over to Denver, what does that mean for Aaron Rodgers? Because it's possible that Aaron Rodgers may want to follow him. Rodgers is still under contract this year. He cannot be a free agent until next season. Keep that one up, by the way. He cannot be a free agent until next season. But that doesn't mean that he can't just create controversy, raise a stink about it, and force his way out. Now, Steve Sosa reaches out to us on Facebook Live and says, Keeping Quinn is like when a team gets really a good backup quarterback in case the starter doesn't cut it. That starter being Mike McCarthy, right? So if Mike McCarthy doesn't cut it, they get off to a slow start, then maybe, just maybe, you have the backup waiting in the wings. That's why it's kind of confusing for like McCarthy. Is this a good thing or a bad thing, you know? Do you keep your friends close and your enemies closer type of thing? Not to say that they're enemies, but aren't they kind of competitors for certain positions? Certain hierarchy within the team? I mean, when he brought in Dan Quinn, he had to know that that guy had head coaching experience. And it's one of those things where when you have a head coach uh, uh, or a, a past head coach as a defensive coordinator or an offensive coordinator, you know that they can just slide into your job at any point. But as of right now, Dallas Cowboy fans, it looks more and more like the three guys are coming back, that Kellen Moore is probably going to come back as offensive coordinator, that Dan Quinn is staying as defensive coordinator, and that Mike McCarthy is staying as head coach. And are you okay with that? Again, leave your comments on Facebook and YouTube. Kilbasa Bacon phone lines open at 656-ESPN. You know, other things to talk about. You know, yesterday, I kind of went on a rant. Uh, a couple of people reached out to me and asked me if I was angry yesterday because I was, you know, kind of getting after Derek White. Uh, Derek White is, a, is, to me, is a polarizing kind of guy uh, in the sense that a, a few people don't like him, a lot of people do like him, and some people are starting to come my way. I kind of made the point that I was part of Team Tank wanting the, the Spurs to get a top five pick early on. You know, back in November, early parts of December, I was saying, man, the Spurs really should focus on the draft that getting losses is not the end of the world. It is not a bad thing. And a lot of people thought it was crazy. And they came around in my direction over the last couple of months. And yesterday, I went on a rant talking about how Derek White should not be the guy taking three-pointers for this team. He leads the team in three-point attempts, averaging more than five a game, and was shooting less than 30%, somewhere around 29.5. And I had some major concerns about that because, again, the year's 2022. To have a three-point shooter shooting 30%, those were the guys that existed for the bad boy Pistons back in the day. Back, you know, before Jordan, you know, won six rings, that type of play was good. But right now, you need to have somebody who's shooting 36% or better, and Derek White isn't doing that. Went on a rant yesterday. People thought I was, like, actually angry. 
I'm not angry at Derek White. The fact of the matter is that I like Derek White. I think he's a fantastic backup point guard. In fact, when DeJounte went out with COVID earlier this year, Derek White did a really good job filling in. Why? Because point guard is his actual position. That's what he does well. But they're playing him as the two guard. And if you're being played at the two guard, you have to be judged against other two guards. That's the point I'm trying to make. So yesterday, he was doing some things that I actually like. Now, again, the Spurs lost to Memphis yesterday. And I was expecting that because Memphis is a really, really good team. And, you know, John Morant went off. I mean, that guy is going to be an all-star this year. And unfortunately, he might be that one player that keeps DeJounte Murray out of the all-star team this year. Spurs lost 118 to 110. But I'm going to tell you what. A lot of Spurs fans were upset thinking that there were some questionable calls. Carl, did you think there were questionable calls Absolutely. at the end of the game? I am, Which was... I am refreshing my page for the last two-minute report because I'm pretty sure at least two of the three straight calls on John Morant are at least no calls, and then one of them could have at least been an offensive foul. You know, I see that. I, I, I see that, and I will agree with you that probably one, at least, at the very least, one of those fouls did not happen, did not exist. But, he, you know, star players get star treatment, and he was a star last night. 41 points and 8 assists. John Morant outplayed DeJounte Murray, even though Murray still had a triple-double. Amazing. That's 10 for the year. Correct me if I'm wrong, Carl, but now he is tied for the most triple-doubles in Spurs history? Uh, you know, I'm not 100% sure. That wouldn't surprise me. And I know that Jordan tweeted out last night something along the lines of, like, he's doubled the most any players had in a single season with the Spurs already because the most before this season was five. So, yeah, yeah, that's impressive. Yeah. You know, DeJounte Murray, 16 points, 11 assists, and 10 rebounds. Only shot 5 for 17. Again, you know, a lot of the attention was on John Morant. How do you stop him? And the Spurs really couldn't. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this away a little bit. I know some Spurs fans are upset that they lost. It was a good game. The Spurs hung in tight. They were losing most of the game. Third quarter, made a run. Got it within a couple of points. Got The league got stretched back out. Spurs made another run in the fourth quarter. Last few minutes of the game. Tied the game. But Memphis ended the game with a run to win by eight. But I'm going to tell you what, Carl. I liked what I saw last night. From a competitive standpoint, I liked what I saw. And it's not so much that it was another moral victory for the Spurs. What I liked is what I saw on the box score. Keldon Johnson had nine three-point attempts. He made four of them. So for those of you who need to know the math, that's 44.4% for the night. Guess what he shoots for the season? 44%. Again, 36% is respectable three-point shooting. 40% is really good. He is north of that at 44%. This is the guy that should be shooting three-pointers, and he had the most three-point attempts last night. Guess who's the second-best three-point shooter for the Spurs? It's Devin Vassell. Now, Vassell only knocked down one out of seven, but I'm glad that he took seven attempts. Vassell played well last night, uh, scored 20 points, 8 for 16. He had the green light, and he took the green light. Now, again, I've been critical about Derek White and Lonnie Walker not being good three-point shooters. They actually had an okay night. Lonnie Walker was 2 for 5. Derek White was 2 for 6 from 3. But what concerned me, man, was Lonnie Walker's body language. He's checked out. There was uh, one point where he caused a turnover, 
that uh, created a really easy dunk attempt by the Grizzlies. And he just slapped his face. He kind of like punched himself in the forehead. He was pissed off. And I get it, man. Uh, he seems to be pressing. He seems to be trying way too hard. It's not natural anymore. Jason Minnick said yesterday on the Blitz that he needs a new, you know, new scenery. He needs a change of pace, and I 100% agree. Lonnie Walker is is not going to be with this team next year. But when it came to Derek White last night, what was interesting was going on Twitter and seeing so many Spurs fans out there starting to have concerns. The rumbles are appearing. You know, they're coming out and saying, mm, "You know what? Derek White might not be as good as we thought he was." But last night, I liked what I saw a lot from him, okay, because he started attacking the basket a little bit better. He was attacking and kicking out. If we can get that Derek White and he stays within 20 feet of the of the basket most of the night, that is the Derek White I want to see. That's the Derek White I want out there. But if he's going to be continuously shooting a bunch of three-pointers, why he gets six attempts a game, I will not understand. Why he took another six yesterday, I will never understand. But the fact of the matter is, is he's still shooting them. And, I mean, this guy has the range of DeMar DeRozan. DeRozan was not a three-point shooter. Derek White's not a three-point shooter. Neither is Lonnie Walker. They're, they're just not. But last night, again, Keldon Johnson with nine attempts, making four. Devin Vassell with seven attempts. Again, didn't make them. But I, I, I want Devin Vassell to keep firing them off. Carl, are you okay with me wanting more three-point attempts from Devin Vassell and Keldon Johnson? Uh, yeah, I'd say they're probably two of the, you know, more talented three-point shooters out there. Uh, I think the still philosophy is higher quality looks over, you know, unfortunately, the, the other, you know, sad truth of it is jacking up threes. If you're going to shoot a high volume of threes, some of them just have to be bad shot selection. And, you know, you, you, you harp yeah. on Derek White's three-point percentage, but here's a little math for you. If he goes three of ten from three-point land, instead he decides to make all ten of those shots two-point shots, then to beat the efficiency of going three of ten, no. he needs to shoot 50% from two, which he does already. However, you know, nine points on ten shots versus ten points on ten shots, it, it's the difference between making three, t three threes of those ten shots and five twos. No, I understand so, the So, idea. yeah, the, the map the, there is that he's still an effective scorer from deep, but obviously if you're going to have people shooting a volume like that, like, you know, several game, you would hope that they're the ones that are in the 30 to 50% range. Obviously no one's going to shoot 50, but I wouldn't be surprised if there was a stretch where Keldon shot 52% for a month this I, year. I, I understand the analytics behind it and the effective shooting percentage, but the fact of the matter is is that he's not good enough of a three-point shooter to warrant him having six or seven attempts a game out there doing it. He's never been that guy. I mean, you go back in time. This is his worst year, though. This is his worst year. The best year he's ever done is 36, but he's also done a year with 32%. And if you're if you're going downward, that's the trend line that he's going at. He has a lot of attempts out there. I mean, I, I did a stat yesterday that showed that Keldon Johnson has 10 more. It's probably now up to 12 more three-pointers made on like 50 fewer attempts compared to Derek White. I understand that that there's an effective shooting range and that three points is worth more than two points. I get that. But Derek will be better with this team if he's setting up Vassell, if he's setting up Keldon Johnson, which he did a good job of yesterday because it, it seemed as though he was paying more attention to doing the drive-in and kick-out. 
He had a really good drive in the third quarter that I was like, I, re- I remember I hit my pillow. I'm laying in bed watching. I hit my pillow. Go, that's it. That's what I want to see right there. Drive in, drive and kick out, drive and kick out. If he can do that, then great. Give him his minutes. But if he's going to be out there chunking six to nine three pointers a game, it, it's just it's just not there, man. It, it, it's just not there. But we're going to talk more about Derek White. Believe it or not, there are some trade rumors out there that kind of came out of nowhere. Bleacher Reports reporting on it. Jeff Garcia from Locked On Spurs and Ken's Five is discussing it. He'll be on at one o'clock talking about these trade rumors involving not only Derek White but the Spurs potentially getting a star player in a trade. Very fascinating. Have a poll out there on Twitter at MikeESPNSA. Do you like this? Would you be willing to trade a top five pick or a top eight pick if you could get a star in return? But we'd have to, you'd have to give up a Derek White potentially or a Thad Young as well. So reach out to us again. The Kilbasa Bacon phone lines are open at 656 ESPN. Talk to us about Spurs. Talk to us about the Cowboys, Aaron Rodgers. NFL playoffs, man, we are open for business. But for now, let's get some headlines in. Here's Carl with the 411 and the 210. Here's the 411 in the 210. Headline 2. Well, here is a headline that made me raise my eyebrows a little bit, but I'll give you all the backstory on it. A biannual World Cup could help solve a migrant crisis that FIFA and Africa are currently dealing with. FIFA President Gianni Infantino linked his plan for a biannual World Cup on Wednesday, giving more hope to Africans who risk their lives crossing the seas to get to Europe. In a speech to European lawmakers, Infantino said that football was being dominated by the few who have everything and need needed to be more global and inclusive. His quote was, We need to find ways to include the entire world to give hope to Africans so they don't need to cross the Mediterranean in order to find maybe a better life, but more probably death in the sea, as he told the Parliamentary Assembly of the Council of Europe in Strasbourg, France. He spoke on the day that Spanish authorities said at least 18 people died and more than 300 people were rescued from several boats trying to reach the Caney Islands from North Africa. I, I had no you idea know, that's going on, so you know, I don't. He, there's a lot more to it, but he seems to think that this would be a big help, and it's a thing that FIFA's been pushing for. This is an argument that I ha- sometimes have with people. I mean, it's not involving what's going on in Africa, but the importance of sports in a community. If the Spurs ever left San Antonio, this city would be depressed for a long, long, long time. So we should support the Spurs and go out there and watch these games. But it's beyond that. I mean, sports is a community, and it's it's beyond uh, it's beyond entertainment. It is civic pride. It is national pride. And you're seeing these people from other countries going out and and trying to find a better life. I mean, I'm human. They're human. More power to them when it comes to that, and and they should try to find a better life. But man, it's it's amazing how sports is is part of the fabric of a community and a part of a fabric of a culture, and how important it is to people's happiness and well-being. Sometimes it's crazy. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I can see that it's just one of those things where 
you know, the money to play soccer is in Europe, so it's almost like the American dream, except it's the European football dream. Well, in baseball, they leave Cuba, you know, they defect yeah. mm-hmm. to, to come, they, they go to the Dominican Republic to go play there, they go to, they try to get to Florida to go play. I mean, they ha- they want to seek a better life, and I get it, man. I mean, if, if we were them, we'd be doing the same thing. I imagine. Headline one. Former Washington football team employees to share sexual harassment allegations with the House Committee. A former Washington football employee team of sexual harassment, excuse me, former Washington football team employees will share their allegations of sexual harassment and verbal abuse with members of the House Committee on oversight and reform on February 3rd in what's being called a, quote, roundtable discussion, the committee announced Thursday morning. Former employees plan to participate include Emily Applegate, the team's former marketing coordinator and ticket sales representative, Melanie Coburn, a former cheerleader and former director of marketing, Rachel Ingelson, a former intern who rose to director of marketing and client relations, Anna Nunez, a former coordinator of business development and client services, and Brad Baker, a former video production manager. And this February 3rd date comes one day after the Washington football team will announce that they are now the Washington <laughs> Commanders. Uh, is that is that true? This it, could be it, the is, Commanders? it is almost all but confirmed because the uh, URL has been uh, bought For, by yeah. uh, you know powers that be. Commanders.com. I, I like that. Washington Commanders sounds really nice. I buried the lead there, though, with you well, know, the whole sexual allegation. They, they well, look no, at the left uh, hand while the right hand's doing something, uh, right? Exactly. No, 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 no. First of all, that was the first I had heard that it was relatively definite, but I like that. The Commanders, that's a solid name. It's kind of like the Cleveland uh, Indians went to the Guardians. Okay, I like that name, too. It means something. But going back to the allegations, here's the thing. I mean, that's a huge story, too. It's funny that it's going to happen a day after the Commanders are, are listed as the new team for Washington. But the thing about it is, is that this is the tip of the iceberg when it comes to things. I mean, it's beyond John Gruden. It's beyond all of those things that have happened. There, This is going to be really, really bad in the sense that it's going to probably take about two or three more years for everything to unravel. But more heads are going to be chopped off. More people are going to be fired. And that team eventually will need to be sold. Because no one's going to want to want to have him as an owner. That's Daniel Snyder still, right? Yeah, Daniel Snyder's going to die trying to keep that team. Yeah, and it's going to be taken from him. Mark my words, it'll be taken from him. Headline Zero. Ash Barty ends long drought by reaching Australian Open final and will face Danielle Collins. Have you been keeping up any with the Australian Open? Uh, you know what? I haven't. I mean, I know Nadal is out there still in the semis. Are, are, they're on the other side of the world, so they're playing while we're sleeping, right? You, I'm a big Djokovic fan. Okay, Novak Djokovic is my guy. It's kind of weird to say that you have, like, your guy when it comes to things, but in golf is the same way. People cheered for Tiger. People cheered for, you know, all sorts of different players, you know? And I'm I'm a Djokovic guy. When he was not allowed to play, which was fair, I understand. I get it. I'm supportive of. I just lost interest. Absolutely lost interest in it. But I, you know, here's the thing. The interesting thing about it is if Nadal is still out there, he could potentially get his second career Grand Slam match- matching Djokovic. I think the most interesting thing was the whole Djokovic saga. Once that drama disappeared, imagine the ratings if he did play. You know, right. but I think the ratings dropped, plummeted if uh, 
when when he was deported, and that's when people kind of like, okay, well, the Australian Open's going on. At least we know about it now. Yeah. We'll do Victorious at 1245, all right? All right. That's the 411 and a 210. Aaron Rodgers. <sighs> Aaron Rodgers. I saw the funniest meme of Aaron Rodgers a little while ago. Uh, it showed him walking out of Lambeau, and it said this was the second time that Aaron Rodgers fooled us into thinking that he had a shot. It was the funniest thing, funniest meme. But Aaron Rodgers, is he on the move? Because his offensive coordinator is on the move. And speaking of quarterbacks, a legend, Big Ben, is calling it quits. We're talking about this on the other side. At 1 o'clock, we have Jeff Garcia from Locked On Spurs talking to us about possible trade rumors involving the Spurs. This is Halftime on San Antonio Sports Star. Welcome back to Halftime on San Antonio Sports Star ESPN AM 1250, 94.5 FM. Soon to be 103.3 beginning February 1st. My name's Michael Jimenez. Sports, pop culture, and nostalgia till 2 o'clock here on San Antonio Sports Star. Joined by Carl Schoening. You know, Green Bay is going to be looking for a new offensive coordinator. Nathaniel Hackett is taking his talents to Denver. Going to be the Denver Broncos' new head coach. Kind of interesting because Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn was considered to be a frontrunner for that gig, but they went towards Hackett, and then later on that morning, this morning, Dan Quinn decides, you know what, I'm going to stay with the Cowboys. That's what the reports are saying out of Dallas, but because Green Bay's offensive coordinator is going to Denver, people are now asking, well, what does this mean for Aaron Rodgers? Does Aaron Rodgers want to go to Denver? Is he going to make a stink and try to force his way there? It's very possible. Denver doesn't have a, uh, a quarterback there that is worth a damn. So, you know what? I'd be okay with it. It's, it's interesting because from a political climate, you know, Wisconsin is kind of a, a, a purple state. Colorado's kind of a purple state. I'm sure they would welcome him. And why wouldn't they want to welcome him? They welcomed John Elway. You know, they had Elway there for many, many years. They welcomed Peyton Manning towards the end of his career. Why not welcome Aaron Rodgers towards the end of his? They have the salary cap space to absorb it, too. During national media uh, here on San Antonio Sports Star, I heard this morning on KJ and Max that his fiance currently lives in Boulder. So there's one dot to connect, you know, as we're connecting mm -hmm. dots here. Um, and then I heard on Greeny, and I thought this one was interesting because um, I've only heard rumblings, but it's an interesting thought process. Apparently, something that is legal in Colorado uh, that's not legal everywhere in the United States has been proven to be effective against transmission of COVID uh, and infections of COVID if you were to take it orally. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what uh, that's what the articles say. So. You know, it kind of feels like this would be the perfect spot for Rodgers, who we're pretty sure he's only, you know, he's got to be on the move. I, I think there's something up with the, where how he restructured his contract, where basically Green Bay said, give us one more year, you know, let's try and win a title because we don't want to make any, ha you know, rash decisions. And it's like a poison pill to where if they keep him, it's ridiculous. So he's going to be moved this offseason or... If he stays in Green Bay one more year, he goes into free agency right. where I they, don't think they can franchise tag him or 
it's not like a, a worthwhile franchise tag or something along those lines. I need to look into the details exactly. It's funny when you have to cheer for the villain. Can you imagine cheering for a villain? As a Spurs fan for the past 25 years, we haven't had any villains on this team. We've had David Robinson, Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili. I suppose for a while there, Tony Parker was considered a villain. You know, the whole Brent Berry thing that went down. So, I mean, but that was kind of a personal side. But when it comes to Aaron Rodgers, I mean, he is the NFL's villain. And that is the face of your team. The quarterback is the face of an NFL team. When you think of the Dallas Cowboys and you think of this roster, the first head or first face that comes to mind is that of Dak Prescott. That is the face of the franchise. And will a team want to assume the headaches that come around a very polarized player such as Aaron Rodgers. But what about a polarized player for another reason? Deshaun Watson. Houston Texans have been trying to unload this guy for about a year. And one of the suitors, the alleged suitors, being the New York Giants, yesterday announced that they're not going to make a run for him. The Giants named a new GM and at that same press conference said, nope, we're not going to go after Deshaun Watson. Why? One reason was salary cap. The second was because of the allegations made against him by more than 20 women for inappropriate conduct. So I know a lot of Texan fans out here. Here at the office, we have James Pledgers, a huge Texans fan. And they say, you know, we have a lot of Texans fans out there. Uh, I don't know if there's a lot. Thank you for the the check there. I think you're right. You're right. There's not a lot out there. Those are very patient people. They are. They all live in the, uh, you know, over there in Houston, right? There's very few here in San Antonio, but there are some out there. Pledger's a huge fan. He's been telling me for the longest time, man, we're going to get a haul for Deshaun Watson. He's only in his mid-20s. He's an elite quarterback. He's a top-five quarterback talent. We're going to get a lot for him. And I'm like, man, there's only a few teams that would be willing to kick the tires around that. The guy is a walking PR nightmare. Mm -hmm. Do you think female fans, who, by the way, which is great, I think the NFL and, and the NBA have done a fantastic job attracting female sports fans. Because you go to these games and you have a lot of women decked out in gear, more than the, more than the guys are half the time, and it's a, it's fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic. And if you're the quarterback in the face of the franchise, and you know that fifty percent of the people who come in the door are women, because it is now a, it is now a, a universal sport, it is a unisex sport. Because of that, do you think that teams really want to have Deshaun Watson under center? No, man. No, it's a PR nightmare. And I don't care if he settles with people under the table and pays them off or whatever the case may be. Why would any team want the face of their franchise to be someone who has been accused by more than 20 people? And, and you know, the fact that it's all in limbo is really the big thing here. If he could get out of that and find some kind of, you know, pay his debt to society or, or what have you, then then I think that that's a little different. Because, uh, like, if you look at... Say Michael Vick, for example. I knew you were going to go well, there. Well, I, I I'm only it. thinking I from the perspective it. of an Eagles fan who's been in these trade rumors. Michael Vick served his time and, and all of that stuff, and there were still people that didn't like what he did, but they gave him a second chance because he had already, you know, been through the process. Deshaun right. Watson's going through the process currently, and, and when I talked to people in Philadelphia, they said they couldn't do it to their female, uh, their you know, female fans. Because they know that that, like you said earlier, that is the face of the franchise, 
and having that hanging over the franchise's head, it just isn't worth it because you're basically alienating a good chunk of the fan base. And time has to pass. You know, a lot of time has to pass. And it'd be weird because what happens if he sits out a second season? I mean, who wants to take on a player who at that point, what value does a player have if they've sat out two seasons? The haul that Pledger thinks that the Texans are going to get for Deshaun Watson gets less and less and less as time goes on. Very similar to what's going on with the 76ers when it comes to Ben Simmons. James Pledger reaches out to us on YouTube, says, please, it's tampering if he says yes. He has to say no. And, and you know, that that's kind of the funny thing where I feel like, I know in NBA they have tampering rules. I I figured if that were the case, because I, I heard the soundbite, he would have said something along the lines of, you know I'm not allowed to talk about other no. teams' players. So I don't know if the NFL has the same NBA rules in terms of tampering, but... You know, in that particular case, I agree with Pledger because what is he going to he what what is he going to say? Is he going to come from a lower negotiation standpoint by saying, <laughs> "Yeah, I think we're going to go with Deshaun Watson." Of course, yeah. he's going to lie to the media. Pe- people lie to the media all the time. Yeah, but then he'd be lying to Daniel Jones too, and he says we're going to be going around Daniel Jones as well. But uh, and that would break my heart because Daniel Jones can be the quarterback for the Giants as long forever, as he wants forever, right? Yep. Hey. Another quarterback to talk about, Big Ben, Ben Roethlisberger, speaking of another quarterback with a checkered past with women. If Twitter existed back when the allegations against Ben Roethlisberger was around, he would be a villain. He'd be a villain as well. He, he probably would. wouldn't have made it to 2010. No. If, you know, the, the general climate that we live in were back then. Because he was never yeah. he was never convicted or I don't even know it's if it ever went to, to court. It's hard to convict yeah. sexual assault or convict for whatever he was accused of. But you can look it up. Wikipedia, Ben Roethlisberger, personal, personal legal issues. There were some words that, uh, you know, his alternate nickname was trending today in the United States. And I, yeah. you know... Totally didn't realize that that was his alternate nickname. I won't say it, but but social uh, yeah. media didn't exist back then. So and, and he was getting no one today cared. on social media, though. And it's not that no one cared; it's that no one knew, and that was the thing. I mean, it was reported on, but then it just kind of got swept under the rug. It was like, okay, next story, next story. But uh, anyway, Ben Roethlisberger uh, announced this morning that he's going to retire after 18 seasons. Uh, he says, "quote I'm retiring from football, a truly grateful man." You know, five years from now, he's probably going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Mm -hmm. 2027, he's eligible. Two Super Bowl rings. He retires fifth in the NFL all-time in passing yards with just over 64,000 yards. Another person who's talking about retiring is Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski. Now, Gronk yesterday was interviewed, and he basically said that if he had to make a decision right now, that he's leaning towards retirement. To me, that means that Tom Brady is leaning towards retirement because I cannot see Gronkowski catching balls from anybody else. They're a package deal. I think that's pretty obvious. But also, I I don't know. This is a weird thing, like Rob Gronkowski trying to stay famous because he just went on TMZ, and he knew that doing this with TMZ would cause a little firestorm, and he was his animated self. So I, I... I get it, but 
The way he phrased it also just left a whole wide open door. So in a way, I wonder if he's Tom Brady via proxy of saying, (laughs) you know, hey, right now I wouldn't want to go if they said, hey, training camp's next week. Right. But, you know, he has a whole offseason, whatever that is, you know, for veteran players that don't need to go to, you know, OTAs and such if they so choose. So, you know, when it comes down to him finally making the decision, probably somewhere around you know, they'd probably want an answer by April when the draft comes up, mm-hmm. free agency. Yeah, I get the feeling Gronk and Brady are going to give it one more go, and I wonder if they're the types to actually admit it. I kind of hope they have one more year. It'd be nice for them to get that send-off that they didn't get. You know, I, I don't want them to retire like Tim Duncan, where Duncan just submitted a fax and it was like, it's over. I want Brady to be celebrated. He deserves to be celebrated. And... um you know, it's 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 fascinating because, speaking of Gronkowski, uh, I saw an interview with him a while back. Remember 30 for 30 on ESPN would talk about NFL players going broke? Oh, yeah, broke. Yeah, that, that was one of my favorite ones. Rob Gronkowski will never be one of those mm-hmm. guys. He lived off of his endorsements his entire NFL career, did not spend one dime of his earnings from the NFL. His dad was his financial guy, and they worked with advisors as well. But his dad always told him, your allowance is, as an adult, Grukowski was getting the allowance, but his allowance was coming from his endorsements, whatever he did for for, uh, for drinks, for clothing lines, or, or what, whatever he was doing on the outside, he could spend. But anything he earned as a career football player, as a tight end, he saved and he invested. I'm Googling right now what his endorsement earnings are. It says here that he's made at least $8 million in endorsements over his career. Not bad. I know. I could live off $8 million. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like, that's like that sounds nice. That's about 800000 a year. Yeah. Very nice. Hey, uh, Carl, last night was interesting. I was playing with ketchup packets, and I posted this on Facebook and on Twitter, and when we come back, we're going to talk about this, but if you have a junk drawer or if you're at lunch right now, and whether it's McDonald's or Wendy's or Sonic or Church's Fried Chicken, I don't care where you got your food from, take a look at the ketchup packets. Because on the bottom right, there is a number. And there's an urban legend that is around right now that talks about that number and what it means. And I will let you know, my wife and I did a taste test involving these numbers. We're talking ketchup when we come back. And also Jeff Garcia from Locked on Spurs. Ken's 5 will be on at 1 o'clock talking Spurs trade rumors. This is Halftime on San Antonio Sports Star ESPN AM 1250. This is Greeny. Weekdays 10 a.m. to noon on San Antonio Sports Star ESPN AM 1250 and 94.5 FM. Kill Bacon phone lines are open at 656 ESPN. Again, the best call of the day is getting tickets to see Bob Dylan in concert, The Majestic. Let's keep that music going. Again, best call of the day gets tickets to see Bob Dylan in March at The Majestic Theater. You may want to call around 1 o'clock because we're talking about Spurs trade rumors. Willing to give up Derek White for a star? Willing to give up a top five draft pick? Mm, that's let's the ta- thing. Let's talk about that. That voice right there is James Pledger. The reason why we have Victorious as the bump music is because... James Pledger last night at the AT&T Center, unlike the Spurs, was victorious. Pledger was the guy they brought down from the stands to take part in a contest. 
Tell us about it, Pledge. <laughs> I was wet. That's what happened. <laughs> uh, yeah, walking into the game, I got uh, approached by one of the girls from the hype squad. I was like, hey, and I'm pretty sure she was just basing it on, hey, he's cute. I'm going to go get him. Uh-huh. <laughs> At least that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Wait, wait, wait. Was this um, the redhead that you left hanging? No? Oh, you can't hear oh, okay. me. Okay, yeah. I want to know if it's a redhead that you that you left hanging. Oh, no, it wasn't her. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, so, See, I was locked in at that point. I can't I can't be held accountable for my actions when I'm in the zone like that. So they brought you on the court to play Connect Four. It's kind of like the Connect Four that you have at main event, mm-hmm. where you've got like these basketballs you're throwing, and you have to make a Connect Four. How nervous were you while playing out there? Because they didn't ask you like two minutes before. You had to think about it for a while, right? There was a buildup before this whole thing happened. You know, I thought I'd be nervous. Really wouldn't. I was out there, and you can see, like, kind of in the video, I'm, like, dancing with the hype squad as the music's playing. <laughs> they are playing some Bruno Mars. I was like, yeah, yeah. So I was, I felt loose, and I think that portrayed itself because once they started falling, it was... Yeah, first... First two shots were First off two were a little off, but once I once I zeroed in, it was in. So it's it's a big connect four board is basically what it is, mm-hmm. right? And you're shooting these baskets in there, and you need to make a connect four, and they're shooting from the opposite side, so you don't see your opponent. And this is on all of our socials, whether it's mine, at I, I am Pledger on uh, Instagram and Twitter, or San Antonio Sports Stars with the Facebook, YouTube, and or Facebook instagram and twitter like the video is out there so you can see exactly what jimenez is talking about the best part though two things one they named the wrong winner at first they're like (laughs) the winner is steve wait no it's james okay that was one and it got me thinking maybe it's a good idea that we didn't have you in the papa shot back during the rock the mic finals the pop up shot co- a competition. Are you worried all of a sudden now? <laughs> but what did you think when they said someone else's name, and what did you win? I uh, won a two hundred fifty dollars gift card to HEB. So all about that. I'm gonna be eating good. Give you two hundred bucks for it right now. No, because I just found out it also applies to the gas there. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Rob Thompson. <laughs> had zero clue. I, I, Otherwise, I, I, I would have been in. I almost had you right there. Hey, real fast. Uh, other topic, because uh, I kind of teased it before the break. Uh, I might have been fooled by YouTube because my daughter was showing a video last night to us. We watched Sniper Wolf a lot. Other YouTubers. Sniper Wolf. Sniper oh, Wolf. Yeah, 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 yeah. You've told me about this. And uh, so there's a video out there about ketchup packets, the ones that we get like from fast food restaurants, right? And I got some from mm-hmm. Jim's last night. We had some takeout from Jim's okay. and had some fries with it. And the packets, those little individual packets that we all have in our junk drawers or whatnot, sure. have little numbers on the bottom right. And the the theory is, is that if it's a smaller number, like a two or a one, that it's sweet ketchup. And that if it's a higher number... That it has, like, let's say it's a 10 or a 12, that it's sour ketchup. So my wife and I thought it was kind of weird, and we got out a paper plate, and we put out one that had a 2 on it, and we, we had another one it. that had 11, and we're like, man, the 2 is super sweet. And then we tasted the 11, you fell and for the it. 11 was sour. You and, fell for it. And now I'm going around just, like, checking things on, you know, Googling things. You know, I'm doing my research. And I'm out there, and and people are like, no, this is true. And then, like, Heinz is coming out saying, no, it's not true. No, it's not true. This is the spout that it came out. It came out of spot two, spout 14, spout eight. 
So but who do you to, believe? Heinz or the people? I believe myself. I believe my tongue. No. I tasted you the can't. difference. You can't because you went in with a false narrative set in your head and your mind tricked you to believe what you thought it was going to do. Dude. This is... This is psychosomatic. I'm telling you because for the longest time, I used to pull tinfoil out with gloves on and stuff out of the oven. And until finally, my roommate was like, dude, what are you doing? I was like, it's, it's metal. It's coming out of the oven. It's hot. She's like, aluminum foil doesn't retain heat, dumb it. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> well, I mean, it's just one of those things where I mean, I tasted it. We, we put the two on one side of the plate. The 14 on the other side of the plate. But you knew what was supposed to be what? I knew one was it supposed wasn't to be a blind. Huh? It wasn't blind. You knew one was supposed to be one and one was Are supposed to be Are you saying this is like my thing with tortilla chips? Yes. When I go to restaurants. Absolutely. Love... This is your blue tortilla chip. No, thing. the orange tortilla chip. Whatever. The orange tortilla chip is tastier than the green it is and not. The, the beigey one, the brown one. No. no. It is true. You fell for it. You, Selena already called yeah, she, you out on this. She covered this. my eyes and said taste test, and I, I picked the wrong one. It's it's kind of like people who say that, that they like Coke more than Pepsi, but then you do the Pepsi challenge. And they choose Pepsi instead. It's psychosomatic, man. Oh, my God. But try it, okay? <laughs> because right now, we're a lunchtime show. People are out and about getting ketchup in packets from McDonald's Don't or from whatever. Don't fall for it, guys. Now, someone asked me on Twitter, does this mean that on Whataburger, spicy ketchup, does it mean the higher number is spicier than the <laughs> well, here, number? Here's the thing. Why would any restaurant do that to their customers to where you're, you're subjected to throwing a handful of ketchups into a bag that are all different numbers? Maybe the tomatoes were more ripe on the other one, man. I don't know. All I know is that it worked. It absolutely it worked. It doesn't. And I will be Your all, brain played a and trick now, on you. The next time I go to drive through, I'm going to be like, yeah, I'm going to have a number one with cheese, no onions, and the ketchup packets, make sure they're ones, twos, or threes. Okay. <laughs> But speaking of ones, twos, or threes, what if the Spurs get a top three draft pick in the NBA draft? Would you be willing to trade it for a star player? Sounds Jeff like you've been on my Instagram today. <laughs> Jeff Garcia from Locked On Spurs and Ken's Five will join us on the other side to talk about these trade rumors that are developing. And uh, the top caller in the next hour gets tickets to see the legend Bob Dylan in concert, The Majestic. This is halftime on San Antonio Sports Star ESPN AM 1250 and 94.5 FM. Michael Jimenez. Halftime. It's our number two of halftime on San Antonio Sports Star ESPN AM 1250, 94.5 FM. On the go at sasportstar.com. We're moving to 103.3 beginning February 1st, so go ahead and put that as a preset. 103.3 FM beginning February 1st. My name's Michael Jimenez. I'm with Carl Schoening today, talking sports, pop culture, and nostalgia. We're giving away tickets to the best take that someone has. Got to call in the Colbasa Bacon phone lines at 656-ESPN. Again, that is 656-ESPN. The best take, the best caller, gets to go see Bob Dylan. Live at the Majestic Theater in March. And you know what? You may want to call in in this segment because we're talking about the Spurs and potential trades. You might be thinking to yourself, there's no way in the world the Spurs are going to pull a trade. But they already have. Earlier this month, they dumped Bryn Forbes. They sent him packing to Denver. 
So it is possible. There's a couple of weeks left before the trade deadline. But the question is, who would the Spurs deal? Who would the Spurs go after? Are we going to be buyers? Are we going to be sellers when it comes to this season? I'm kind of fascinated by that because, again, these trade rumors seem to be coming out of nowhere. And Jeff Garcia from Lockdown Spurs and Ken's Five is with us to talk about these rumors. Jeff, who are these players the Spurs are potentially looking at? Yeah, they've been hot on the trails for John Collins for quite some time now. This has gone back a couple of years now. Spurs in Dallas. So not too surprising that this uh, report popped up today via Bleacher Report that the Spurs seemingly are trying to target their guy. He fits perfectly with San Antonio. He does. Michael. Perfectly. Perfectly. And you're telling me that that part of a package might include Derek White? I'd be okay with that. I'd be okay with that. You got Trey Jones. You got Josh Primo, who got reassigned to Austin today, by the way, if anybody did not know that. Um, bring him down. Let him get going. You know, uh, the, I think the Spurs uh, sh- should do well by themselves if this report is true that uh, some sort of uh, working is going on right now behind the scenes to get John Collins to San Antonio. Uh, it's, kind of, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, if they want Derek White, sure, go for it. Have fun. That he powerful that, that 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 contract too. He has a hefty contract that lasts until 2025 where it tops off at twenty-one mil. So, even better. That uh, power forward position has been lacking for the Spurs ever since LaMarcus Aldridge retired and then signed with the Nets later on. Um, Mm -hmm. Taking a look at that deal, John Collins, again, he's a, what, about 6'9 power forward, averages about 17 points and 8 rebounds a game. You know, he's an athletic big. He likes to run up and down the court. He's a a modern power forward. He's not the yeah. he's not the LaMarcus Aldridge back to the basket t- type of guy. You know, he attacks the rim. I like John Collins's play. He's not a superstar, but he has star qualities and I believe he's only like right. 24, 25 years old. And you're yeah. leaving out your favorite part about it. He shoots 40% from 3. There you go. That's it. There you go. He and, opens and, it and all up. There's the Spurs solution to the big man depth right there an adequate big that they can pair with Pirtle or uh, backup Pirtle. You know, it's small ball now. Yeah. This is just basketball. I mean, if you have to play the five, go play it. You got to so, pay You got to pay somebody. $25 million a year is what he's getting? Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's worth it. What? But let me ask you this, though. It's worth it. Because, again, you know, Spurs fans, I asked the question on, on Twitter earlier today. And I asked the question, you know, you know would you try a poll? I yeah. did a poll, 158 votes, 158 <laughs> votes, even though I had a typo in there because I said that he averages 17 pounds per game. People know that I meant 17 points. I yeah, cannot yeah. believe that we cannot correct things like this on Twitter. I mean, the year is 2022. We can't do you know, that. There is a way to do it, but you have to pony up a little bit. Oh, really? Okay. Well, I'm not going to pay into that. I'll do the, I'll do the free thing here. But uh, yeah, Collins, 24 years old, 6'9", 17 points, 8 rebounds a game, makes $25 million a year, under contract for four more seasons. Should the Spurs trade Derek White, Thad Young, in a first-round draft pick, let's say that it's top five protected, 77% said, yeah, pull, pull the trigger. And that's the thing. It's whether or not it's going to be protected or not. Because again, if it's a top three or four pick, you can't do it, man. I mean, you, you, you don't know what you're going to get with a Jabari Smith or with a Paolo Banchero, or a Chet Holmgren. There's, you know, there's top three, top four. If you're moving up, I, 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 you just can't trade it, man. 
You can't. But then again, you take a look at the other side. You know, you know what the the commodity is on the other side. You know what you get for John Collins, but you get that at a twenty five million dollar price tag as opposed to four and a half or five million dollar price tag. But Spurs fans, what do you think? Reach out to us on the Kobasa Bacon phone lines at six five six ESPN six five six ESPN. Tell us, do you want to trade for John Collins? There's another player out there that I keep seeing. Why are the Spurs always linked to CD Osman? What is the deal with that? Euro guy, you know, uh, the whole Spurs international flair. Uh, I get it. Like, I think of, of all the reports that came out today, uh, Osmond, I mean, that's the one you could pretty much, you know, dismiss. It, it, you know, for some reason, just, you know, Cleveland were to put him on the waiver wires, I definitely would not be surprised if he first snag him up. But what, 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 what I, my biggest takeaway, though, from this report uh, was that Pirtle, at least according to the Bleacher Report article, you know, is available, and despite his play, Jimenez, mm-hmm. he's not untouchable. Like, he, if the Spurs want to flip him, go for it. I mean, it's going to cost you a pretty penny. But again, here's a player who's playing career numbers right now, and that's what I took away. Like, despite all that, despite the chemistry with the team, everything that he has going for himself, Jimenez, they're like, yeah, we'll flip him. It's okay. We'll do it. Now, Pertle is a player that you can tell has put in a lot of effort. You can tell that he's trying to hone his skills and that he is coachable and that he has improved on both sides of the ball. Defensively, he was good coming in here. He's borderline great defensively when it comes to things. Now, he does. I have an article about that. Uh, where Joel Embiid, after the game versus Philadelphia, showered praise on mm-hmm. calling him one of the most underrated centers yeah. in the league. And offensively, he was very, very, um, he wasn't very aggressive offensively, but this year he's kind of, you know, flipped the script a little bit. He's becoming more aggressive no, with, 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 with putbacks. You know, it used to be where he would try to, like, you know, just, just dump it in. Now he's dunking it in. Yeah. So he's yeah. been a little bit more aggressive. That being said, I can see why he's still available. He's a good player. He's a very good yeah. player. Not he a great value. player. He has value there. But it's it's something where you could get, just getting another guy, you know, 80% of Yaka Pirtle. You can get 75% of Yaka Pirtle. And, 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 and it may be a guard-dominant era of the NBA. Yeah. You know, your swing guy. But how important are those bigs to contending teams? Joker in Denver, Gobert in Utah. Jaron Jackson Jr. in Memphis. Uh, so, so wonder why. So wonder why uh, Toronto wants Pirtle. And, and he's and, exactly what they need right now. And he's, he's a throwback player. Derek White mm-hmm. is a throwback player. Like Derek White belonged in the late '80s NBA. That's the game that he plays. He doesn't play 2022 basketball. He plays 1988 to about 1996 basketball. He would have th- he would have thrived way back when. But yeah. he has a ceiling right now, and he's already in his prime. So what we see yeah. from Derek White right now is the best we'll ever see. There's not another gear there. He's he's not going to take a leap like DeJounte took this year. There's oh, further yeah. things that we can see from Keldon Johnson, Devin Vassell, that I'm looking forward to seeing in future years. They can be coached up. But, you yeah. know, the thing about Derek White and Jakob Pertl that they have in common is, is that they're not the type of player that comes out right now. They're not the type of player that have the skill set of three-pointers, of running up and down the feet, the court in a, in a certain way. They're, they're just throwback players. They're, they're not current in the style that is being played right now. 
you know, you know, I know the trade deadline is inching closer, you know, and with this team currently in a rebuild and franchises, uh, you know, redoing things, I don't really see them making a major move until maybe the off season. Mm-hmm. I think that's one thing I don't, I wouldn't, I can't see Brian Wright. I know unless, unless another team bowls them over with some sort of ridiculous deal for one of the players. Right. But to just say, okay, thanks for it all. And good luck to you, for example, in, in Toronto, you know, and to really change the dynamic of that team. You have DeJounte Murray and Jakob Pertl both after games saying how much chemistry they have, how much well they how well they work together. Uh, you know, you you got you know Devin Vassell who had himself a damn good game the other night. You know, with 20 points off the bench. So I don't see that. I mean, the only thing you do little moves like we saw with Bryn Forbes, ship him out. Obviously, the next move is going to be Dash, whether that's a trade or you know they simply be bought him. out. But but I just don't see any major moves, that, you know, shocking from San Antonio ahead of the trade deadline. I don't think they'll make their major moves till the offseason when you, you know, have the NBA draft, when they have all this cash on them. Um, I don't but, know why I have yeah. the feeling that something might happen. Like, like no, no, it, it's I'm going from a 0% chance to maybe like a 25% chance of something happening. Because when they made that move for, uh, for Bryn or getting them out to Denver, I thought to myself, Hmm. That's interesting. Is this step one in the process of tanking right. or bringing again tanking being playing the young players, right? Or is it the first step in a in a in a, a domino effect of moves? And that was what uh, what kind of confused me yeah. about it because right now, if you take a look at the Spurs schedule, by the way, Kilbasa Bacon phone lines are open at six five six ESPN. If you want to talk to me and Jeff about the Spurs. Defend your guy. If you want to defend Derek White, want to defend Jakob Pertl, please do. But here's the thing. One thing that I want to say, Jeff, is that you build around DeJounte Murray. I know that there have been, you know, rumors and, and, and rumblings all around the league saying that he could be available maybe to the Knicks or a player like, or, or a team like that. Right, right. Uh-uh. You need stars in this league. And guess who's a star? DeJounte Murray is a star. Yeah. He's not a superstar. He's a star. And you keep right. it, and you build around him, or you build alongside him. You do not. He is he is the untradeable asset on this team. And you know who I think is also an untradeable asset is Devin Vassell. I mm-hmm. love I Devin Vassell. Primo, we don't know what we're going to get out of him. Okay, Keldon Johnson again. He's a young guy. He hasn't entered his prime yet. He there, we could get possibly get more out of him. So you want to yeah. keep him too. So there are some building blocks here, man. But what? My, my, no, no, I was going to say, like, the only thing, though, is the, keep an eye on is Lonnie Walker, for sure, because you have to entertain the idea of this. Do you flip him now or risk losing him in offseason for nothing? You know, when right. he's restricted and if another team comes at him and says, here's some money, you want to come with us? And he goes, yeah. And it's for say, okay, thanks, bye. I, and this is a team in a rebuild, and if it's next to you, a early first, you know, second rounder, you no know, high second rounder, late, late, late first rounder. I mean, I, I think you do it. Oh, in a heartbeat. Because why would he want to come back? I mean, two things. Why would the Spurs want him? And why would he want to come back? He needs a change of scenery. He really does. And I think that Lonnie Walker will probably be successful someplace else. If he can mm-hmm. score 11 points a game with us, gets into a, in, in a, into a different type of system that is more geared towards him, he could be a 15 to 18 point per game player. I have all the faith in the world that he can do that. 
but that doesn't necessarily mean that he can do that with the Spurs. It's 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 mm-hmm. probably just a bad marriage. Yeah, yeah. I, remember, I don't know. I mean, it is really too much into it. Remember that comment he made about uh, Chimizzi Metsu playing in Sacramento? Did you ever catch that? No. What do you say? They asked him about uh, playing uh, about Metsu playing in, in Sacramento. He goes, "Yeah." He goes, "I love seeing that. It's good. Look at all that freedom he has to play." So that's something to look at. You know. Maybe the style of the San Antonio system doesn't work. Pop style doesn't work. Well. Right. Uh, you know, I mean, that could be that as well. But, yeah, I mean, that's definitely a guy, you know, that I'm going to keep an eye on as the trade deadline comes on is Lonnie Walker. I'm not going to be surprised if you hear, start hearing his name, you know, float out there like, oh, the X team is calling the Spurs about the availability of Lonnie Walker. So this is that effect. Or the Spurs are dangling Lonnie Walker. Would not be surprised at all that you know, that starts popping up as the trade deadline gets closer. It'll be so depressing that the Spurs get nothing for that young because at the end of the day, all we would have gotten is a first-round draft pick for DeMar. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that is just – I mean, you – but if you're the you're the other teams seeking his services, why would you even make a deal with San Antonio? Just wait till they have to pull the plug on him. <laughs> why even do that? Why even say, okay, here's one of our assets. Here's a late uh, – you know, early second-rounder. Thanks, Spurs. Appreciate it. There's there, there's a tough stretch coming up for the Spurs. Next game, Chicago Bulls. DeMar DeRozan comes back to San Antonio. That's Friday at 7.30. Sunday night at Phoenix. That's going to be a tough game. They come back home on February 1st. Golden State Warriors, another tough game. The third, they play Miami. Maybe an easy one against the Rockets the following night, but it'll be the second end of a back-to-back, and then the rodeo road trip starts. This might get ugly fast. Yeah, and Rob yeah. Thompson on R and R in the morning is all about this. We're saying, you know what? They're going to turn the corner a little bit, win more games than we think. And I'm looking at the schedule, thinking to myself, no, no, not looking like it. In fairness, you've said that every week this entire season. <laughs> What's that? That you, it's not looking like the Spurs are going to do well with the upcoming schedule. Um, and I've been right more often than not. <laughs> so I mean, you're, we're taking a look at a record that's what eighteen and thirty or something close to that. Eighteen and thirty-one. Eighteen and thirty-one. Yeah. You proved my point. They were 18 and 30. Now they're 18 and 31. But they're, I mean, just get pop that record and figure out what's what. That's all I want. That's all I ask. He gets that. You think he gets that this year? They got eight wins in them, right? You know, I have a, a, I have a beer bet with Carl on this one that I kind of want to win, but also don't want to win. What I don't want is for pop to be one or two games short. I mean, I mean, he'd have to come back at that point. I think he still gets it before April. That's just a guess, but I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah, if I could actually predict the future, I'd be in Vegas, not yeah. here. I don't know, man. I think it comes down to the wire. I think it comes down to that last month of the season. You know, Jeff Garcia, he's a great follow on Spotify, you, wherever you get podcasts. Did you, did you understand why I picked the Baroness now? Do you understand why? <laughs> yes, I did. And that's right. that, that's a category that I don't want to get to on, uh, on halftime because uh, – we were talking about celebrity crushes, and he's giving me animated people. And I'm like, that's just <laughs> weird, Jeff. That is just weird. I mean, I understand you know Jessica Rabbit. Pleasure would understand. Pleasure would understand. I understand Jessica Rabbit because, you know, the the living version is Christina Hendricks from Mad Men back in yeah. the day. I get it, right? But, uh, yeah, when you said Baroness, I was have like... Have you seen the living version of the Baroness? You have not... Please uh, send it to my. Uh, I am going to tag text me. that to you. Yes, I'm going to text it to you. So, by the way, 
Uh, Michael Jimenez is coming on Lockdown Spurs tomorrow. That's He's right. Be recording a new episode. Yeah. Outside. By the way, I want to get Carl on because I want to give him a stage where he can do a little stand up for Lockdown Spurs fans. You'll lose your audience quick. <laughs> I love your opening joke, by the way. You know, the whole, you know, going upstairs for cocaine. I thought that was hilarious. I thought that was I'm never invited to do that. <laughs> and I, should I be offended? Anyway. <laughs> that is Jeff Garcia right. from Locked On Spurs at Ken's 5. See Follow him on Twitter. Also, subscribe to Locked On Spurs. Talk Spurs day in, day out. Thanks for being on, Jeff. Hey, let's go ahead and kill headlines, man. Let, let's knock headlines out because I want to talk about the NFC Championship game, which is coming up. Can you believe what's going on in L.A. right now? The L.A. Rams are so afraid that San Francisco fans are going to take over SoFi, their arena, their, their field, their stadium. They're so afraid that they have now enacted restrictions as to where these tickets can be sold to. It has to be certain zip codes in the L.A. area. Now, a few weeks ago, in week 18 of the regular season, the 49ers beat the Rams at SoFi in overtime, which earned them their playoff berth. But the thing was, when you look in the stands, it was a sea of red. And I'm not talking you know, 10% of fans or 20% of fans. It was the majority of fans there were cheering for the 49ers. I know this is the new Rams team that's new to L.A. because they moved back from St. Louis a few years back. But the fact of the matter is that that was embarrassing. This was like when the Cowboys go to Arizona and there's a lot of Cowboy fans there. Or when they go to Washington, there's a lot of Cowboy fans there, and they equal it out. But over there in L.A., the majority of the stands was cheering for San Francisco. And because of that, we now have the Rams putting restrictions on where you can buy this, as though you can't just buy this on the secondary market at StubHub or SeatGeek. Are you supportive of the Rams putting a restriction on Ticketmaster for the first round of tickets saying, hey, look, you know, whatever you do in the secondary market, we can't stop that. But the primary market has to be in our city. I'm not supportive of it, but I understand it. I know, um, I want to say it was the Houston Rockets one year when we played them in the playoffs did something similar. Uh, and I want to say somebody else actually outright retrospectively canceled orders be because <laughs> they found out that a lot of people were going to be making what was, you know, a short trip. And they were getting too many people buying it from the opposing team. So, you know, it's a home field advantage, and it's supposed to be. So in this particular case, uh, if you, you want to attend the game and you're not in L.A., but you're a 49ers fan, hit that resale market. Tickets are going for like $500 in the upper deck. <laughs> it's crazy. crazy. Absolutely crazy. Now, Matthew Stafford's wife, uh, her name is Kelly, uh, she is reportedly, according to TMZ, buying blocks of tickets from Ticketmaster and giving them away to only Rams fans saying, I got you. I got you your tickets. It, it kind of reminds me a little bit of how um, a lot of business leaders were buying tickets for UTSA for the conference championship game and saying that, you know, let, we got to support this team. We're going to buy them and give them to the fans or sell them directly to fans. It kind of reminds me that they're doing that. But this is a professional football team, man. This is for the rights to go to the Super Bowl. Are you telling me that people in Los Angeles are not excited enough for this? Boteo Franklin on Facebook reaches out and says, yes, those Rockets for the Game 6 of the Western Conference Finals. I have friends that lived in Houston and still bought tickets. So I guess he's supportive of it. I don't know, man. Kind of confused by it all. But, man, I'm thinking about this. NFC Championship game is this week. We have the Rams and the Niners. 
And we have the Bengals in the AFC taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. And I'm looking at it, and the more and more I think about it, I think we might have two more upsets. Now, the crazy thing is, last weekend's games were epic. Three walk-off field goals. An overtime win with a touchdown. These were all walk-offs. And I absolutely loved last week's games. And I will tell you that this week's games will not be as exciting. We're going to have a letdown week. It cannot get any better than it was last week. But what I feel, I'm looking at this, and I'm I'm not trying to be a contrarian, but the Rams are favored and the Chiefs are favored. And my personal opinion as of right now is that neither of those teams are going to win. I like the Rams losing to the Niners because I think the Niners have a better defense at times. And Jimmy G is just going to just basically hand the ball off over and over and over again. That Niners defense is legit. I know the Rams defense is legit as well. But at the end of the day, that is Matthew Stafford under center. At the end of the day, that is Matthew Stafford, the guy that we know and love from the Detroit Lions. And when it comes to the AFC, God, I'm all about Joe Burrow. I'm all about Joe Mixon. I'm all about Jamar Chase and Boyd and Higgins. Oh, my God, I love that team. That's my second favorite team. That is, I love watching the Bengals play. I see that Gabriel, let's not go to him now. We're going to get Gabriel on the other side. We have to go to break real fast. Gabriel wants to talk Spurs and World Cup qualifier. We'll get back to you, Gabriel, in four minutes. This is Halftime on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250 and 94.5 FM. It's Halftime on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250 and 94.5 FM. We're on the go at sasportstar.com. You know, our lead story earlier today was uh, Dallas Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn reports are out in Frisco saying that he's staying with the Cowboys. Kind of interesting. Big Ben retired. The offensive coordinator for the Green Bay Packers is now the head coach of the Denver Broncos. Lots going on in the NFL. The Giants say that they're not going to go after Deshaun Watson after all. Lots to talk about today. But we have a caller coming in. Gabriel wants to talk about the Spurs and the World Cup qualifier. Gabe on line one, what's going on, my man? Hey, Mike, how's it going? Doing good. You got my blood boiling again. Not boiling, but you just got like my heart rate going. Talking about um, our San Antonio Spurs. And I just wanted to share with some of the younger fans uh, a little bit of the history of how, how we got to where we are with our five-and-a-half NBA championships. uh, Yeah, it's true. If I could find that Spurs merchandise, I would definitely buy it because I feel like Tim Duncan went to sit on that sideline to watch us win that championship from the sideline, and it kind of is five and a half, you know. But what I was going to talk about is that, you know, that year before, you know, that season to remember, I don't know if you remember that video, but we had a coach by the name of Larry Brown, and he had, uh, you know, Ed Manning and um, R.C. Buford, Greg Popovich, Alvin Gentry, those guys, they, they started something special here. Our only home team, the real home team that we have, not the adopted home teams that we talk about, which is fine. You know, we, we adopt teams all the time, Rangers, Cowboys, whoever you want. But the San Antonio Spurs, you know, I was concerned about them leaving. But uh, listening to you talk about DeJounte Murray and watching some of the games over the past three years, y'all are right on, right on target. It's, it's definitely a process, and it's not an easy process. That year that the Spurs uh, traded Maurice Cheeks, I believe it happened during the, the trade deadline, and we got Rod Strickland, and it was amazing, but it still wasn't enough. We needed to go to the international field of players, and that's when we really struck gold with 
somebody by the name of Emmanuel Gino Billy. That's how he first pronounced his name. And I remember how much I thought the Spurs, how critical I was of the Spurs then. And so for the younger fans who might not remember, this is what we do. This is how we do it. And y'all been saying it all along. Now, the thing once is, we, Gabe. Once the, we were pioneered there, was when we made, made history, you know. What were you going to say? The thing is, man, you know, at some point we got to cut bait. And, and that's the problem yeah. is that Spurs fans, we fall in love with certain players, not realizing that yeah. there are better players out there. And that, that means cutting bait with players like Lonnie Walker. That's like having a serious discussion about Derek White. That's about yeah, looking absolutely. at like Yaka Pertle. Yaka Pertle can be playing very well, be very coachable, be very well liked, but that doesn't mean that there aren't better players out there. And, you know, the, the, we, we traded Sean Elliott. We were critical of Sean Elliott, you know, yeah. we're, we, we we're capable of doing that. And, and you're talking about 25% possibility or 20% on the trade deadline. Every February, I get to 50% at least where I really feel like this is going to be it because that's kind of like, like you said, the domino effect or the first piece to this puzzle. DeJounte Murray for me is also untouchable. And if you could just get another guy coming in, he could, Turn from a star to a superstar very easily. Two you know, stars, with, and, especially with the skill set. Two stars in the NBA, and you're relevant. Three stars, and you're a championship contender. That's how it works. The Spurs should not trade the only one star they have in Dejounte Murray. Now, can they get a second star out there like a John Collins? That would be pretty interesting. Can they uh, develop a third star? Can Keldon Johnson take it up to another level and become a star? Devin Vassell, maybe uh, Joshua Primo, maybe the Spurs have that second of three stars already on the roster. It is very possible. Carl, do you think any of those three players right there have any chances of being a star? Taking the leap that DeJounte Murray has taken, maybe not being as good, but being a borderline all-star? Did you mention Primo? I did. Yeah, Primo is really talented in being able to create his own shot. Uh, the other thing, he's also really young. So by the time he's done with his rookie contract, he'll be like 21, something like that, or he'll be 22. So, you know, it, it's a weird thing where if he were to play until he's, you know, 33 years old and they were all with the Spurs, you know, that's something like in 2035 when he would be retired. So, you know, yeah. it's such a long thing with him. I think he could be a really good player. Uh, he's one of the most natural shooters on the team. Uh, Devin Vassell shows a lot of flashes to be a borderline all-star. And then, uh, you know, I think um, when, when you talk about uh, potential star players, those are probably the two ones. And I think Keldon is just so young and he's so talented at so many things that I saw. I didn't see this three-point shooting coming from him. And if he no. can really capitalize on that and be able to, you know, do build off of, you know, the defenders having to play him tighter so thus he can kind of get to the rim a little better because... His real skill set was getting to the rim, and I'm seeing a little less of that and a little more three-point shooting. So, you know, as he starts to play in his more natural three by getting a more natural four next to him, I think that will really open up Keldon Johnson's game. So, you know, someone like a John Collins, who the Spurs were reportedly interested in in the offseason, I, I, I call it just like how the Spurs are, have... You know, any other player, it's asset management. You don't mm-hmm. want to just let that person go for nothing in free agency when you could match his contract or give him what he wants. And uh, in this particular case, I think the Spurs have done a really good job with asset management. And this is the Hawks doing their asset management with John Collins and now saying, 
Hey, y'all were interested in him this summer, right? Yeah. Yeah. What do y'all think now? <laughs> now, right now, Gabriel's the leader in the clubhouse right now for those tickets to see Bob Dylan in concert. Again, the best call of the day gets tickets to see Bob Dylan. Kielbasa Bacon phone lines are open between now and 2 o'clock. 656-ESPN. Again, 656-ESPN. you got to give it to Gabe. I, I mean, obviously, he's one of one, but oh, yeah. pretty good call. Well, Appreciate he won- his passion. He wanted to talk about World Cup qualifier. United States taking on El Salvador today. It's on ESPN2 at 6 o'clock. To be honest with you, don't know much about soccer. I, I, I don't. They kick a ball around. They kick a ball around. When we talk soccer, we bring Katie Goodman in. So I probably should have brought her in today. But uh, we'll do that next time. But here's the thing, man. Okay, let's let's make the... Let, let's pretend that, that John Collins is on the Spurs roster. Okay, so we'd have DeJounte at the point. At two, we'd probably have to move Devin Vassell there, and I'm fine with that. Three would be Keldon. Four would be John Collins. Five would be Jakob Pertl. Is that a playoff team? Is that the starting lineup for a playoff team? And the answer is yes. I mean, that would make the Spurs probably one of the six best teams in the Western Conference, just adding John Collins. Because, again, you need two stars to be relevant and three stars to be a contender. And that is those two right there. I think Devin Vassell, maybe not next season, but the year after, would be a star. I I have my hopes on Devin Vassell. Keldon Johnson has shown that he is coachable because he has gone off from being an okay three-point shooter to one now averaging over 44% accuracy. And Anthony's on the line, wants to talk about the Spurs. Anthony, what's on your mind, my man? Hey, how's it going today? Appreciate the call. What's going on, man? Um, so here's here's my feeling. My two cents on it is, look, let's just look at the untradeables for a quick second. DeJounte Murray, untradeable. Keldon Johnson, Devin Vassell, Primo, untradeable. Um but then you look at some of our big depth. You're looking at like a Drew Eubanks. You're looking at some of the guys. Again, we can't trade Pirtle because, like you're saying, if we get John Collins matched with Pirtle, I mean, how many teams in the league are actually playing with two bigs on the floor at the same time? Mm-hmm. It kills the penetration to the basket. So that way we're holding teams to three-point shooting. Um, I really think, you know, outside of those guys, you know, I love Derek. I love Lonnie. Uh, I love the fire that they play with, but at the same time, if trading those assets gets you a superstar player, and, you know, I'm just throwing it out there because of all the chaos and everything going on with the Lakers. Um, you know, there are some pieces on that team. I don't know exactly who, but there are definitely a lot of players. They tried to set up a superstar team, didn't work out. You could easily trade uh, Drew Eubank, some of these guys that they can try to build up themselves and make into starting caliber players while also benefiting our squad. Um, and that's kind of where I'm at. Like, I love our team. I love our team to death. But this team is not going to get us a championship anytime soon. Now, Anthony, uh, we're going to get your contact information real fast. You're the leader now in the clubhouse for those tickets to see Bob Dylan at the Majestic. Thank you for the call. You know, you convinced me, Anthony. Now, you and I have very similar opinions as to who the untouchables are. No Devin Vassell, not going to touch Keldon Johnson, not going to touch DeJounte Murray, not going to touch Primo. I think we're all in line with that. But the question is, is can we give up assets, other assets, to get John Collins over here? And would that be a big deal? 
can the Spurs trade one of their first-rounders? Now, the Spurs have two first-rounders in 2025 because we got the Chicago Bulls first-rounder in the DeMar DeRozan trade. I would much rather them trade that pick, but if we had to trade our own this year, I couldn't trade a top-four pick, man. I think we have to have the top-four protected because we don't know what's out there, but, man, then again, we know that John Collins would make us relevant. Is relevant good enough, Spurs fans? I mean, are, is relevant going, you know, 48 and 34? You know, maybe getting back to 50 wins again and being a four or a five seed. John Collins is probably good enough. He is good enough to help get the Spurs there because, again, it would open the floor, a lineup of DeJounte, you know, Vassell, Keldon Johnson, John Collins, Yaka Pirtle. Man, that's a tasty lineup. Are you willing to give up? a first-round draft pick for that, even if it is top four. That's what's what makes me hesitant, man, because, again, what if we traded that pick and we could have gotten Paolo Banchero or could have gotten Jabari Smith? Oh, that's so tough to deal with, man. So tough. Frank is on the line. He also wants to talk about the Spurs. Frank, what's going on? Hey, Frank, what's up? That's on me. I accidentally, because these buttons are so close, hung up on both people at the same time. Oh, so, call yeah, back. that's call, uh, please call back. Frank. Call back in. We're take, we'll take your calls all over again. You know what? Let's go to break on the other side, talking more Spurs. Your calls are welcome. Bob Dylan concert tickets are on the line. This is halftime on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250 and 94.5 FM. This is Joe Reinagel. Drive home with Jason Minix and me today at 4, ESPN 1250 and 94.5 FM. Welcome back. It's halftime on San Antonio Sports Star. ESPN AM 1250, 94.5 FM. Set the presets, baby. We're moving to 103.3 beginning February 1st. Took a, look, took a few calls in the last segment. Lots of people want to talk about the Spurs. May have struck a nerve. Maybe I made some people happy. Maybe I pissed them off. We don't know, but we have Frank on the line. How you doing, Frank? Good, guys. Good. Thanks for having me. Thanks for taking my call. Um, yeah, real quick. I guess what I want to say is like uh, it's a lot of um, feedback or negative feedback is on the guys, the players. Um, none of these players uh, constructed this team. Um, Pop and the GMs and RC and everybody did. So there's times where, we, yeah, we've been needing a, a big or an athletic guy to uh, protect the rim or head, help Jakob, but they don't draft one. Um, they draft guards, you know, recently Primo and Trey. All right, they, I like them. They're good players. But that's another thing that I want to talk about is that there's always setbacks, whether, you know, DJ was injured in his rookie or sophomore year. Um, that set him back somewhat. Lonnie had a meniscus. Uh, Keldon not playing that much rookie year. Uh, then the bubble, phenomenal. Uh, Devin Vassell, he's like in his rookie year right now. Uh, he didn't play much last year. And then with Trey Jones, same thing. Um, he plays in one night and then the other night. He's not in the rotation. Um, um, Thad, Thaddeus Young, played against Houston. Great game. Didn't play last night. Um, to me, Thad's better than Drew. Uh, Bates Diop, um, IQ wise, um, and defensive wise. Yes, that Drew's athletic. Um, but, um, well, Frank, let me ask you this. Let me, let me, let me ask you this real fast. Okay. Cause I like a, a point that you mentioned right now. You mentioned the fact that, you know, the Spurs have had bad things come their way over the years and therefore the Spurs are trying to weather the storm, right? Because, 
Things yeah. that you didn't mention was, you know, Kawhi Leonard Kawhi leaving. Kawhi Leonard, yes, exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. And then we had DeJounte Murray get hurt and miss pretty much the entire season. And we've had they, we've had bumps and bruises along the way. I mean, even this year when, when the Spurs won four in a row and then all of a sudden COVID ravaged the team. It happens, mm-hmm. right? So there have been yeah. certain things that the Spurs just could not avoid necessarily, right? But one of the things that I have concerns about, and I want to get your impression on this, you know, the Spurs have young players that the, that we like, that we are now calling untradeable. Devin Vassell, you know, we talked about Keldon Johnson. You know, we've talked about certain players like that, and they have something in common. Pop didn't want to play them. They didn't play them until their their hand was forced. Keldon mm-hmm. Johnson did not sniff the court until other players got hurt or didn't want to play in the bubble. Right? Devin yeah. Vassell did not get play in time until DeMar DeRozan left. Did not get play in time until other people in front of him got hurt. He there was no there was no Austin Spurs last year to send him to. So he had to play with the Spurs. Had there been a regular season with no COVID, he would have been in Austin the entire time. So some of these players who are doing well or showing promise for the Spurs, correct me if I'm wrong, Pop's hand was forced the entire time. It wasn't part of his plan. And I have issues with that. Yeah, especially when you draft them, you know, and you draft them for a reason. Devin Vassell could have easily, you know, been starting or a great role player on any team last year. Same thing for Trey Jones uh, this year. Uh, Trey Jones could be our backup point guard. Uh, Derek, I think it's more suitable off the bench also, leading, showing the offense, him and him and Trey running the point. And then, you know, with Bryn gone, there's no reason to keep Primo or call him to watch a game and then send him back the next day. It's a, it's a lot of mind games. I guess Pop also wants to see what type of player man you are. But, you know, times are changing, and I'm not asking for Pop to change his ways in a way, but you got to, you know, the way he, you know, we, we use that word coddle LaMarcus Aldridge, you know, um, not to do it to these guys, but mentally, you know, show them that you, you do have trust in them and um, you're not going to play them. 20 minutes one night and one second the next night, you know? Now, Frank, um, I'm going to ask you real fast because the show's about to end in a couple yeah. of minutes. Real fast, I ask you this question and Carl this question. Would you trade an unprotected pick, first-round pick, for John Collins? Not this year's. Not not if we we have a chance to, I mean. But then again, in my other hand, like, well, we, we just drafted a lottery pick guy and, and he's up in Austin. Mm-hmm. So... I like John Collins. He's a good player. But that's a lot of money. Um, like I meant in the, wrote in the comments too. If he's not too happy with playing with Trey Trey Young, <laughs> and make, they they went to the conference finals last year, and there's just something chemistry wise not clicking over there with him. Maybe he wants the ball more, yeah, or more spot ups. And you know, you know how that goes here if you try and you know speak your speak your mind a certain way, especially uh, to the media. Understood. Thanks for the call, Frank. It's a gamble either way because, okay, you you give up your unprotected first-round pick, and let's just go ahead and say it ends up top three, anywhere in top three, for a starting forward. You would probably have used that draft pick on who you would expect to be your starting forward. So, you, you know, in a weird way, if it were to be top three protected and the Spurs still got John Collins and then the 2023 first round pick was conveyed to Atlanta unprotected, then, you know, the, the best case scenario in that is obviously the Spurs still get their top three pick and they yeah. have two starting caliber forwards. One of them is a rookie, obviously, and the other one is a proven commodity in entering his prime. And, and you know, 
obviously protections are a big part of negotiations, but if it were top three protected or unprotected being the, the main thing keeping the Spurs getting from uh, John Collins, I would say you give up the first round pick for the sure thing. You know what commodity you're getting as opposed to maybe that pick falls to five, six, somewhere along those lines because the the Spurs could end up in the play-in game by the time it's all said and done and still be picking in around 10. It's and the if known- John Collins is there to help you with the play-in game, maybe you make the playoffs as well. It's the known versus the unknown, which is very scary. Okay, I cannot give up a top three pick. I'm sorry, I just can't because Jabari Smith is special. You watch him play for Auburn, Spurs fans, call up some Auburn highlights. Jabari Smith, that guy has handles upon handles, and he's a big guy, and he can shoot. Paolo Banchero is a throwback man. He he is amazing there for Duke. Watch him play. And then Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga, a seven-footer who can shoot threes and play defense. I had a, a comparison that I saw online where it referred to, to Chet Holmgren as Dirk Nowitzki light with Marcus Camby defense. That is a really good way of looking at him. I know uh, James Pledger is all about Chet Holmgren. Right now, I'm about Jabari Smith. I'm about Paolo. Chet, that's the unknown too. But man, if the Spurs are going to be pulling a trade, I'd say top three protect it. But if it's four and beyond, let's go after John Collins. Jason Minix and Joe Ryanangle will be here at 4 o'clock for the Blitz from 4 to 7. This is halftime. See you tomorrow. This is San Antonio Sports Star.